I used to rave to that one. Well, there we go. Welcome to another edition of Back of the Grid. And already you can hear that we're in for an absolute roller coaster of a show. Strap yourselves in because not only am I joined, as always, by Tom King. Hello. I'm also joined by Ash Foster this week. Bow, 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 bow. And I'm your host, Stu, obviously. Um, Chris is still away on his jollies. Um, having a grand old time in the States. So, yeah, you've got us three this week uh, once more. And we're here to review the French Grand Prix, which... How do you feel? How do you feel about the French Grand Prix, Tom? What's your Uh, overarching vibe this week after that race? I think it's one I remember more than any other that we've had in recent years. Let's go back to Paul Ricard, which in itself is a statement because last week I said, I don't remember a single French Grand Prix since we started going back to Paul Ricard. Hmm. Wasn't last year okay? Like last year was last a kind year was of okay, okay race. You had Max chasing Lewis towards the end, didn't you? And eventually won it. In that contentious so, yeah. part of the championship where it was mm. like nip and tuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about this year. People don't want to hear us. If you want to listen to last year's podcast about last year's go away. There's an episode for that. We've already done that. We did that a year ago. We're here to do 2022 this year. This is why I was kind of hoping this year's was going to be a bit better because I thought it would sort of highlight the the new regulations and and show Mm. that even a like zero jeopardy track like Paul Ricard, which gave us 20 finishes last year could be a kind of okay race and we were a little bit robbed tiny teeny bit robbed yeah a little bit um ash t- tell me that you uh tell me that you found out you're going to be on a podcast today without telling me you found out you're going to be on a podcast today well you've definitely let, i'm going to give notes. I've, I've given I'll, I'll give the listeners some insight to my day so i didn't have to work today so i just kind of sat at home in the dark curtains drawn just staring blankly at a wall with my mouth slightly open thinking nothing saying nothing being nothing and then i got this little (laughs) whatsapp message from Mm -hmm. Stu saying are you around at six o'clock tonight to the back of the grid and it was like the sun bursting through the clouds of (laughs) dark clouds of existence and i suddenly became animated and started like doing stuff so wow i love this show more than anything on earth i was ash's trigger into life today yeah resurrected (laughs) wow well i'm scared by how much we mean to ash (laughs) if i'm honest yeah this uh, yeah right okay okay i I need to try really hard to stay on track because this is going to be a difficult episode to to do with ash around so (laughs) so um Let's kick into the actual... Tom, you've written some things down. You've got some... Yeah, I mean, I thought this was one of those races where it might be a bit easier to go through the top three teams, like, a bit specifically, and then kind of just point out some other bits just because of what went on. So, I mean, really, the starting point is the Ferrari nightmare and Sainz managing to get the points that he did despite the team's best effort to stop him doing that. Um I mean, easiest place to start with this is Leclerc. Uh, so, lost the rear on lap yeah, well, 18. Before we get too far into this, I think there's a big overarching theme across this whole Ferrari situation that applies mm-hmm. to pretty much everything that happened this weekend. But um, let's let's sort of... With do you want to do mind, that first or do you want to do that after? No, no I, want, I want you to be thinking about that 
as okay. we talk about it, I think. I think that's okay. the best way to approach this. So go ahead, Leclerc, lap 18. Yeah, so, so the, 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 I mean, well, I guess before the race even started, Sainz had played a complete blinder in the team game, getting Leclerc on pole to begin with. Um, not sure that, I think there was a lot of pace for Leclerc getting the pole up to begin with because he was up in sector one and three. It just helped stop Red Bull eat into that during that long those long straights in sector two. Yeah. But science with the engine penalties, played a blinder for the team, got himself to Q3, got Leclerc on pole effectively, and was driving a solid race, really, until this incident. Um, and to be fair, Leclerc was driving a good race. The, the Ferrari looked good it on race pace, really in my opinion, especially in science's hands, but like with both of them, it looked good. I think this is the strange thing. I think it looked like it had such traction. Like the exit of um, the corner before the long straight was in the DRS zone. He had such good traction out of there. Like Mm. Verstappen couldn't touch him. Was he worried about the undercut? Was he trying too hard to fend that off? Was he in danger at that point? I don't know. I I mean, Verstappen had pitted. So yes, there was potential of an undercut for Verstappen. Definitely. Um, but Leclerc was like three temps faster a lap at that point. Yeah, Leclerc, after... Leclerc was solid at that point. So, I mean, the, the interesting thing is when you go back on, say, Sky coverage, like so the, the world feed, I guess you'd call it, Paul DeResta pointed out that Leclerc was getting a bit squarely with the rear end about two laps before the incident happened and noticed that the back end was getting a bit loose. So... It's possible that he was working towards the end of those tires when he dropped it. Um, he mentioned I mean, something I've... about his yeah. his driving style in this track as well. He said that he likes a um, oversteery driving style, and that's partially why, like the track didn't suit him. Almost is that? Mm. I, Lando said similar about the McLaren as well. The the way that the 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 cars have different driving styles, um, and you can see like the difference in setup because. Lando tends to drive quite an understeery car and made the point of like um that's one of the reasons Daniel's not liked it in recent well, it times a nice, because it's very different end, doesn't it yeah yeah um yeah. so i mean yeah that's possibly a factor um you know yeah so i have some thoughts on leclerc um first mm-hmm. of all i think the, i i feel like leclerc is coming from for an awful lot of criticism for this drive and for the for the what people are calling a mistake but actually i'm going to go you know i'm going to get right into this overarching theme here because my feeling is ferrari could have just pitted him onto fresher tires uh, and covered off verstappen yeah and and this would not have happened because he would have had fresh rubber fresh rubber and loads and loads and loads of grip so i don't feel like this is necessarily leclerc's fault i think Ferrari of of absolute. I think the strategists this weekend, all weekend at Ferrari, have been asleep. And well, yeah, because I think that's the, what's caused pro- the problem. He stayed out an extra. He'd already stayed out an extra lap, hadn't he? Because Verstappen pitted on sixteen, um, which means Leclerc finished sixteen, did seventeen, and then had his incident on eighteen. So he'd already done yeah. an extra lap. Yeah. And I, I, it, yeah, it's a weird one. Like. It was clear from his pace the undercut wasn't too much of a threat like we've talked about because he was mm-hmm. still quick. Yeah, it was quicker. Um, it was quicker. 
and I think that's maybe played a factor into that into that decision in particular, the fact that he was still quick. In so Austria, they looked at it. And in Austria, seen... their like their trump card was the tire deck. They were yeah better yeah. on that, so they were kind of having their cake because they had the trap position and they mm-hmm. were banking on less tire deck. So they were just yeah. maybe trying to eke out that advantage a little bit too far, maybe. I think so. I think like they they probably you know Leclerc would have been pushing like hell at that point in the race to make sure he doesn't get undercut, and I think that's another factor as well. So like you know, Ferrari strategists aren't completely to blame, but I think you, the way you solve this problem, if you if you're already confident that you're going to last longer on the tires if, and you've got a car that'll that'll wear just them more slowly, then just cover it off. You don't need to yeah. overcomplicate it. You don't need to like yeah. try and like eke out that advantage when you've already got a faster car. You just cover right. them off make the pit stop, give your driver the best possible chance, give your driver a car that's not going to be difficult to drive. Because ultimately that's yeah. what this comes down to is the car had become a car that Leclerc wasn't, clearly wasn't comfortable driving. It, and that could have happened, you know, in an, he already had a blister on his inside front right. Yeah, they were yeah. looking so dodgy. They weren't looking good, those tyres. And I think, yeah, I, I think it's it's foolhardy to blame Leclerc for this. I think, fair enough, the one in Imola, that was all Leclerc. But this one, I think it's a lot more complicated than the Imola one. And I, I just don't think it's fair to blame him. I think Ferrari have, have shown themselves this weekend to be absolutely off the ball in terms of strategy. And this is He blamed himself. It wouldn't be the first time. He put it firmly on himself in that interview. He does that though, doesn't he? He always, yeah. you know, he beats it's himself. It's a Ferrari up. way, isn't it? Yeah, that scene in Rush where he's like, well, you can't say, you can't say that about the Ferrari. And Nicky, yeah. the guy playing Nicky, was like, was it a box? <laughs> oh dear. It was almost like yeah, a... I did a swear. It's it was fine. almost, it was a, almost a Vettel-esque mistake. Like there's so much pressure on them. And yeah, they, it's, I think unless you're a, a monolith of Formula One, with incredible like i don't know they they seem to put so much on them that they can't cope yeah unless you have no personality and no like just no conscious you're you're a yeah, robot you're like gonna, michael schumacher yeah if you're a robot you're fine. well i think the schumacher days were different though because the, the schumacher days were that was kind of like ferrari where mercedes were probably two years ago mm. you know it was just yeah. absolute dominance no fear just absolutely no one could touch them. And that's what that was. I think the difference now is like Ferrari have got a sniff of a championship and there's probably more pressure on them than there ever has been to to get this championship. And yeah, they're, they're just, as a team, they just really seem to be crumbling an awful lot under that pressure. And it's like, you know, week in, week out, they seem to make these like really, really rudimental, simple... The mistakes. unsafe release... Exactly. Signs like of the same yeah. Race, yeah. 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 So the, the unsets, it's like they, they're sometimes massively overconfident and other times they're horribly underconfident and like doubt themselves. And I feel like this weekend was one of those weekends where they were just forever questioning themselves, taking too long to make decisions, mm. doubting themselves and not having the confidence that they should have had because they had the faster car. There's no, if you look at, I mean, look at science's drive from that. In that, ra- to, in that race pace. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Verstappen had... wasn't matching Leclerc at all. No, but he, he had like he had a sniff at the beginning, and then he was yeah. he was falling back. Yeah. So, I mean, the only thing that was keeping in it, keeping him in it, was the DRS. If he didn't have DRS, it'd be just dropping yeah. off and dropping off and dropping off. Which, 
kind of like raises a whole new argument as well. I think this track was going to raise a new argument about, I was expecting this this track to raise an argument for against DRS this week because I was expecting it to be much more powerful than what it actually turned out to be. But mm. they probably got DRS right, I think, the, the length of the zone this week. So I'll not, we're not, we don't really need to get into any of that. Yeah, I think if they'd have gone a bit silly like they have in some circuits in the past and had like one on either part of the um, the long straight down the back half of the track, it'd have just been a bit silly. I think having one into the chicane that's halfway down and then one also into turn one, that's all we had, wasn't it? And it worked out quite all right, that, I think. Yeah, I felt like, yeah, some, some of the moves, like the moves that were being made as a result of DRS came from cars defending into the chicane defending yeah. thin air into the chicane and then getting themselves offline and then the move would get done without DRS after the chicane going up towards the... Yeah, the right or like round, round turn 10 and turn 11. Um, so a lot strategic. of people getting a good run. Strategic, yeah. long Yeah, term. which is how, you want it, is how you want it. That's how you want your overtakes to be, to be had, I think. Yeah, definitely. There were but some fun ones. We're getting so we're getting like way way sidetracked. Yeah, we're getting way too ahead, too far ahead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go bring us back to like Ferrari specifically. So um, Ash kind of already touched on it a little bit, but Carlos essentially pitted behind the safety car that came out after Leclerc's incident. Um, was was a bit of a slow stop due to an issue at the rear, I think. But ultimately, that led to him being let out directly into the path of Albon and the Williams, causing a five second penalty for unsafe release, which was. A slam dunk in itself. Um, you could yeah, see that you could see the demeanor up. of the pit crew. They were all kind yeah. of in a, a state of chaos. Yeah, um, and then I mean, he eventually managed to get ahead of Perez and back to third, despite all of that. Um, probably wouldn't have kept it. Might have with the five second penalty because he he did have the legs on Perez, but not necessarily the front two. Um, but yeah, they, then they paid him again. So like they were obviously speaking to Carlos about if he could get past Perez or not, they were thinking it was potentially not going to be on because of the um, the way the stint was playing out. So they were yeah. thinking about pitting him and it was going it was back science. and forth a little bit. And then they started radioing him whilst he was in the middle of a wheel-to-wheel battle yeah. with Sergio Perez for third place. <laughs> and it, like Carlos is having to say to him, no, just leave me alone a minute. I'm in the I'm in the middle of overtaking him. But then yeah. they immediately well, pitted him anyway. Would he not just... have been better off pitting then, though? Like a, I don't know. He, he was. He, 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 he shouldn't have been anyway. pitting him at all, in my opinion. Like once, as soon as he got that third position, they should have basically continued on and seen how that played out. Essentially, because Binotto they had tried claims... position. Binotto claims that the five-second penalty would have put him back in fifth anyway, and they wanted the fastest lap. Mm, that's I don't the, know that's about the, that. That's the that, line. That, that was, that was then... still the wrong time to have pitted him, though. Like, I mean, so here's my point on this. Gasly did exactly the same strategy as Science up to that point and finished the lap on his mediums. As the car was getting lighter and lighter and lighter towards the end of the race, Gasly was also still getting quicker and quicker and quicker on the mediums. He wasn't dropping off because the tyres were at the end of the life because as the car was getting lighter, he was obviously putting less load through him and, and so on. So And he'd be driving not, around the tyre oh, as well. Yeah, and like, yeah, fair enough. He Science wouldn't have been as fast as he was after pitting and coming back out and re-attacking people, but he would have had track position and he could have 
quite likely defended from Perez and kept and gapped Perez. And the, I mean, the worst case is where he ended up. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he couldn't have been any worse off for at least continuing. I think Ferrari got panicked because of what happened to Charles and we basically didn't want to run him any longer than they needed to on a set of used mediums and, and wanted to make sure he had mediums that would go to the end of the race and just get it done because they were essentially worried about what had happened with Leclerc earlier in the race. Yeah. I, well, I think, again, this is... this is Okay, so this is like the, the indecisiveness coming in now because mm. science said that um, he wasn't going to be able to get by um, Perez. Like he, yeah, he that's actually, what he was thinking. He came on the radio and said that to the team. So yeah. you can see, like, th- there's already like a little spanner in the books, bit of confusion going around. You know, before we even got into like the the actual feedback he's getting from the team. So um, he comes in during the safety car. Was it? It was during the safety car, wasn't it? Science came in and the, his first yeah. stop was yeah, 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 and that's when he did the unsafe release on Albon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so then he'd gone for he went from the hard tire to the medium tire. Yeah. Then which was he he started he was one of three drivers that started on the hard. Yeah, with yeah. starting from the back, he started on the hard. That's so right. so he did that. Um if he was gonna I think realistically the medium tire in that car uh, fighting, you know, the kind of battles he was in, I, I, I'm not sure the medium tire was going to get to the end. So I think it, they were they they I think they were right to pit him, but I think they timed it awfully i think they should have paid yeah. him probably 10 laps sooner and then he would have had a chance to come back at the cars ahead and really use up his tire and potentially get himself up onto the podium um, ultimate hindsight on top of that would probably be again a little bit panicked and worried safety car let's just get him off the hards onto the mediums why why not just stay out gain position on track position on those that do pit and just run to the normal stopping point for the mediums. It's the extension of the pit lane, though, isn't it? Do you mean the hards? I mean, it is to take them. No, it was so. Yeah, so it was. It was on. It was obviously on the hards from the start hard to begin with. But yeah. we'd only done eighteen laps at the point of the safety car, so yeah. everybody else diving in, taking advantage of that, makes sense. But for me, when you're on that strategy, yeah, fair enough. It's going. It's going to cut down your pit time. But you're in the fastest car in the race. Yeah. Like you've, got, you've already got an advantage over just about everybody else except the Red Bulls. Like, yeah. To to me, you could have stayed out during that safety car, taken track position, hunted down those at the front. You wouldn't have had the unsafe release issue because they'd have been pitting in their own time. Like it, it negate. I mean, yeah, this is all like Captain Hindsight, but I did think it was <laughs> odd at the time. Like that they were pitting him off the hards, just like they just seemed desperate to get him off those tires yeah. when they but it, it resigned them to ultimately a two stopper. Like yeah. Gasly did well to turn to, to keep it a one stopper and, and really eked out the tires. But realistically, the moment they pulled Carlos in, they were turning his race into a two stopper when everybody, I think, in the top ten was a one stopper. But it's like they didn't quite realise that they were putting him on a two-stopper and tried to keep him out on the medium for longer and then eventually mm. realised, oh, no, we've taken too much life out of this tyre. We're going to have to pit because I don't yeah. think the tyre's going to make it to the end. Because we did see the blister on... on. Remember, they've got the data of seeing the wear on Leclerc's... Leclerc's yeah, car. but that that is exactly why I'd have been thinking, don't pull him in and don't put him on mediums yet. 
Like you know, well, the safety you know, car like, was. That, 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 you've got to think they're scrambling around, worried about their their car and their driver at that point because mm. the safety car has just come out because their it was it was it because of their driver? Mm. Yeah, it was the safety car. It just was the Leclerc safety car. Yeah. So, and you can tell like the level of hysteria that was going around that garage because science's engineer had, was on the radio telling him he had a stop go penalty when he didn't have a stop go penalty. Oh, I mean, five yeah, second that was penalty. that was ridiculous. Yeah, that was comical. That was a, a strange, I, I it's comical when the driver in the car that know, knows the pe- what penalty he's got better than his team on the pit yeah. wall has been told it. And it's yeah, at this like, point we need to we need to thank the listeners for listening to the Ferrari hindsight show. Um, <laughs> please support us at Patreon forward slash Ferrari hindsight. Um, <laughs> we've got two more hours of this. Yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> it's. It, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, it, not it, I'm, I'm not staying on this for two hours. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's mad that like th- there's so much to be said about the mismanagement of. I mean, it's it's been all across the season. It's not you know. Yeah, and it's... I think it, the strange thing is, it's just so obvious to the people sat at home. Is the thing like you know, I'm sitting on my couch in London watching this race. And I'm asking, I'm like, why are they doing this? Why are they, yeah. why are they making these decisions? Like, so it seems so glaringly obvious. Is there something in the Ferrari system that's causing them to make these wrong decisions? You know, because they do all have like super strategy, but literal supercomputers for the strategy. Yeah. Is there something wrong with the programming of their strategy computer that's making they're, they're, them these really those dumb those supercomputers? Those supercomputers are being interfaced with like meat monkeys mm-hmm. and. Yeah. The meat, the meat monkeys, like are all. I don't know that that. I mean, Bonotto is Bonotto's. Yeah, yeah. Bonotto is an engineer, isn't he? He's he's, he's a proper nuts and bolts. But he is very good at that. He is very yeah. good at that. Yeah, just yeah. just to point out, the car like, is, the car is beautiful. The car is like proof that. of that. <laughs> the car is proof that he's a good engineer. But perhaps team principle is slightly beyond his capabilities, and he should I, be know, ahead of engineering. Bonotto. This is a problem that's existed long before. Well, it's a Ferrari problem. I mean, he's not a team leader on the same. He's not. He's not. He doesn't give the same kind of um, energy that like Wolf or or Christian Horner does. He's not that kind of. He's not on the radio saying the things that they say, is he? No, I I mean he's he's never on the radio, is he? No, I think apart from the end of the race. Like he's yeah. not really, he's not really a radio person. Yeah, at all, well, it's not. It's not really. I mean, again, it's, it's, to- it's quite rare. It's quite rare you hear a team principal on the radio. Really. I was going to say to- Toto's not particularly that involved unless he has to be. Like we heard him this weekend, but that was more like trying to put George back in line. Yeah, you'll so, hear him at the end. You'll hear him at the end of races congratulating yeah, yeah. team members and stuff. But you, you don't usually. It's quite rare to hear like even rare, even right? you know even the strat. Uh, what's his name? Um, Shove, not Shove. Uh, James Vowles. For Ferrari. Vowles, no, for, yeah. for, I'm talking uh, for Mercedes, Vowles, sorry. For, for Mercedes. Like he would occasionally yeah. come on. Valtteri, it's James. That classic yeah. radio message. Even those guys don't usually come on. It's usually just, you know, driver and their engineer. Like that engineer mm. is like the messenger for. Yeah, he's it, the conduit. It's when the engineer's not being listened to driver. and the team aren't happy. That's usually that scenario. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to quickly just dip into inbox for something that's been asked that's kind of on topic of this before we move on. Um, so Sam Van Outen says, does this weekend put an end to Leclerc's World Championship hopes? Did he really stuff up that corner or was there something else at fault with the car? <sighs> okay. Um, Have you seen the Rush? Immediate... 
in the immediate aftermath of that race, I did feel like it was championship over. But how many races we got? We got another ten. Um, but I th- I don't think it is. I think there's definitely some bad luck to come for Stappen's way. I think there's probably a retirement or two in that Red Bull. Um, mm. Even though there's probably, I mean, there might be one or two more in the Ferrari yet as well. But if Ferrari, it just, I think what I would say is it just, it really, really ramps up the pressure on Ferrari now. Um, if that had been yeah. a normal weekend for science, if he hadn't had the the penalties and he had just been, you know, racing with his pace, he probably would have won that race. And I, I reckon that's so. how strong the Ferraris look in normal conditions, but it's not been he, that normal for them. He was faster than Leclerc for the most part, I would say, this weekend. I mean, some of the laps he put in in quality alone just to get to Q3. Yeah, I mean, he had a fresh end, he had a fresh he was, engine, didn't he? But... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a factor, but he just looked on it. Like, he looked on rails for the most part throughout mm. that weekend. Um, he did look like he was killing it. I think, and but his, like, his pace the... was absolutely insane. So to go back into the question, I think another factor as well is the there's, there's going to be engine penalties for both teams. Um, and also yeah. Mercedes. I think one thing that's going against Ferrari is Mercedes are creeping back into it. They're very, even Christian mm-hmm. Horner said, you know, of all people, Christian Horner's complimented them and said they are like edging back towards the front. So they're becoming a factor. And I think after Belgium, it, well, it, let's see how Ferrari and Red Bull do at Belgium. I think if Mercedes, if Mercedes are going to come back into it this season, it's going to be then. And mm-hmm. Ferrari have got a problem on their hands if that does happen. A, a much bigger it's problem. It's mad than they to do watch. Currently. Mad to watch Perez struggle with the Mercedes. With um, with, no, he was he was struggling against the Mercedes. Like he oh, did, had no he had no answer for Hamilton. He got overtook by Russell in the end. Mm. And considering how dominant Leclerc and Verstappen are out front, he's just like falling into the grips of Mercedes. Um, yeah, he had I mean, a he wasn't. Weekend. Yeah, he, he, he yeah. wasn't as close to Verstappen as he normally is. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll do these in a slightly different order. I was going to go to Mercedes next, but we'll go into Red Bull because, I mean, the the summary for this is uh, after Leclerc's incident, it was Max's, basically. Like, yeah. he just coasted to victory. And, Clinical. Uh, as, as we've already hinted at, Perez was, you know, pretty average, to be honest. Like, started third on the grid, but has been overtaken during the race by both... Mercedes, Lewis at the very start and could never fight back. And then that battle with George towards the end of the race. Um, Andy was overtaken by a Ferrari from 19th from the grid. Yeah, and and lost that place to science at one point. So, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, there were different different strategies at that point, but, you know, it still happened. (laughs) Um, I mean, all that together, like Max winning the race combined with Leclerc not finishing. It's put Max a 63-point lead in the championship with yeah. 10 races left, as you said before. Now, obviously not insurmountable with 25 points a race. And like you say, look, swings both ways. But it, it it's not, starts it's not becoming Lewis, ominous, doesn't it? It's not a Lewis Hamilton gap just yet, but it's getting there. Yeah, I think the the, the thing is, the with the Ferrari looking to be the quicker car still and just having a combination of reliability and just just poor finishing. I think that gap is definitely not insurmountable and you could see it closed 
quite quite quickly. I mean, it only takes a, a few swings of luck, Leclerc yeah. and Ferrari's way to, and against Max and Red Bull for that to change quite dramatically. You know, yeah. two two wins for Leclerc with a couple of DNFs for Max for different reasons. Suddenly a thirteen point gap, isn't it? Like it swings very very quickly. Yeah, given and also those like, kind of circumstances. I think that, the, like like you say, the rep the the Red Bull is slower than the Ferrari at the moment. I think that's yeah. That's, kind of clear for everyone to see and if you look at max's body language even after after the sprint race last week uh in austria in austria sorry um a couple of weeks ago and after this race i think verstappen knew that he was beat today uh, oh yeah beaten on sunday like he knew that like he would not have won that race if it wasn't for he yeah. even said like i take the point i take as many points as i can when i can and he yeah. you know he wasn't Normally, when Max Verstappen wins a race, he's like quite buoyant and quite happy, and and sort of you know he does show a lot of personality when he wins a race. And uh, on this occasion, I felt like he was definitely much more subdued, and he had the look of someone. Yes, you know he's he's very mature, and he's 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 become a lot more mature this this last sort of well this season. Um, but still, I think he had the look of a man who knew that. All things being even, he definitely wasn't quick enough. He, well, his car wasn't yeah. quick enough that on the day, and he only won it because the his his main opposition crashed out, um, for whatever reason. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there's definitely there's 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 life in the championship yet for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's not over. Um, so we'll go across to Mercedes. Um, double podium for them. First time that's happened since Saudi Arabia last year. Oh heck, which is wow. quite surprising in itself. Um, mm. The their upgrades didn't particularly bring them up to pace with Red Bull and Ferrari. Didn't really close the gap. It kind of just stayed where it was, didn't it? Um, didn't really improve or, or fall further back. But yeah. I mean, they're, they're they're in that right position to be capitalising on these kind of weekends where science is starting from the back, the close crashing out, whatever you know, whatever the situation might be, that they're in the right place. And they both beat Perez's Red Bull on merit. Um, like we said before, Lewis jumped Perez at the start for third and then held it um, right until the close accident. Technically, that did put him in the lead for a lap. So Lewis did lead a lap on his 300th start. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was sort of second on paper because Max had already pitted at that point and Lewis was yet to pit. Um, but yeah, held that throughout gapped Perez quite comfortably. George then had a fight with Perez for third over the last few laps, um, ultimately took it through what was a really good virtual safety car restart um, and caught Perez napping a little bit. Uh, A little bit of fisticuffs between them into turn one, which George was not happy about. And I I mean, there's a, well, there's an inbox question about it. So let's, let's do the inbox question. The, I think it was turn one. I'm pretty sure it was turn one into turn two. I mean the chicane, what the yeah yeah, Argy Bargy. That was it might it might be it might it might be the other chicane. To be fair, I, it was the it was memories the memories of blur at the so, moment. Yeah, okay, so it was the, the other DRS one. Sorry, so, sure. I mean yeah. technically they're both chicanes at end of DRS zones. Oh, well, the, okay. <laughs> the second the, uh, one. <laughs> yeah, not turn one. The one that's not turn one. I don't know the turn numbers. Yeah, the other so one. many bloody turns. It's impossible yeah. to tell what. what uh, it's well, it's not impossible to tell, but whatever. Yeah, I, I haven't learned them. So um, in terms of inbox around this, Cody B said, 
Do you think the stewards' decision not to investigate Russell v Perez uh, and their coming together was the right call? George seemed pretty miffed about Perez not giving him the place even after the race. He wasn't ahead, was he? No. No. No, but the direction was, from it... race control at the start of the race weekend was if your front wheel is alongside or further than further forward than the rear wheel of the car you're you're trying to overtake, then it's your corner. That that is oh. what they said in the in the driver's briefing. So I mean that's that's what that was his line, wasn't it? That was basically like and it is, we were told you know, he's not making this. that up. Like that's what No, they, no, I'm not saying he's that. making it up. Like that's that was that was his defense of the move. I, I mean yeah. I think I think he was maybe using the words of the race directive to uh, make a very ambitious move, in my opinion. He, like he, he was coming he from a long ambitious? way back, and he he wasn't ever going to make that apex. Even if yeah. Perez had given him the room, he was not making that apex. Oh, he not made the apex. Perez off the track. He, he made the apex, it's, but he did the, the corner exit. He, he could he could simply could not leave the room mm, to push Perez off the track. I yeah. think like so like this reminds me back of um, Abu Dhabi last year when Hamilton um, was allegedly pushed off track by Verstappen into the into one of the, into the chicane there one of the chicanes there and Hamilton took the mm-hmm. escape road and then you know went held off throttle just enough to make it not worth investigation and it's almost an identical copy of that situation Verstappen came from a long way back lined his car up with the apex of the core break apex of the corner breaks in a straight line and wasn't able to leave room for the opposing car on the exit and a lot of people at that time said that Hamilton shouldn't have cut the chicane and, you know, a lot of Red Bull fans were kicking off. And it's just funny how, like, you know, the tables turn, like some oh, yeah. Mercedes driver does tribalism. it and all the, all, yeah, all the tribalism kicks off and it's like everyone's got the opposite opinion mm. to what they had, you know, six months ago. So I'd, I think it's I a think race the way it out was right, though. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, still managed. They managed to work it out on track. That was the thing. And like I was going to say, this is one of those races where we've not got much to say about the stewarding. Like the stewarding didn't come up very much, um, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, gen- generally, everyone was, and anyone that got warnings or deletions or anything for track limits seemed fairly reasonable. Schumacher's was very tight in qualifying but was it was within reason they were told not to cross the white line into turn three and he did so yes it was tight but it it was a cross of the line um so gem- generally speaking i think all that was handled fairly well i think might might be because it's a bit of a boring race <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> no I, I think yeah i think it's a for me, it's a racing incident. It was handled fine on track because Perez chose to use that alternate part of the track to essentially avoid going through like the proper runoff abrasive stuff, which is fine. And like, I mean, at one, he ultimately caught up with somebody else in front of them at that point, didn't he? Yeah. And then, and then had to like back off completely because I was going to ask so. about the um, the safety car restart where George Russell like hung back a lot and then just like launched on Perez. Was that like a BSC, deliberate? I mean. Yeah, the, yeah, he seemed to like really hold back and then drove up to the back of him and yeah. then just launched himself into so, Perez. Was caught happened. out. Yeah, I'll tell you what happened. No, I'll tell you what happened. There was actually a um, uh, an error with the safety car, with the VSC restart system. They ha- yeah, so, they had to restart the restart. Yeah, so, 
Yeah. So what? Just to explain this, like the as written in the rule book, um, when the notification goes out to from race control to the rest of the to all the teams and to us, the viewers watching on the broadcast system, um, from that moment, it can be no more than fifteen seconds to the end of VSC. So when you see that message on screen that says VSC ending. It will never ever be more than fifteen seconds. Yeah, and, and it's a random it's a random amount of time for the record yeah, as well. For those that yeah, don't between, know, so between zero, so, and so that someone yeah. can't sit trying to count it, basically. So it will be some random allocation yeah. of time in so a particular window. What happened there was we got to the fifteen second limit, and Red Bull, having counted it, just sent it at fifteen seconds. I think that's what it you see like Perez do it me. as well. I think Perez you see Perez it, yeah, do yeah. it. And um, then they realized, oh, no, 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 the safety cast, the, the VSC is still out. It's not gone in. Yeah. Um, and I think essentially what's happened there is the communication hasn't happened between Red Bull and the driver Perez to say it hasn't ended, you know, keep watch the Delta, watch the Delta, whereas Mercedes were monitoring it and, yeah. and uh, <laughs> Russell didn't send it because he wasn't, you know, no, Russell was yet. specifically told as well that they were do they were redoing the restart. Um, he was the, he was told so to watch his Delta, were... and he was told no, sorry, I mean by his race engineer, he was told keep an eye on your data, and we we are redoing the VSC restart. I can't remember the yeah. exact wording, but he was told it was, that it was happening. He was, he was and, definitely told to keep the Delta. Yeah, yeah, and if you if you watch if you watch Perez's on board. He is just caught out when it does actually go because yeah. he gets on the power at exactly the same time as Russell. He just spins up his rears. All you yeah. have to do is watch Perez's on board. It's the rear facing camera. You see George go at the exact same time Perez is putting his foot down, and there's nothing but wheel spin. And what looks like a little bit of a defense from Perez on George's on board of him moving across is actually the back end kicking out of Perez and him trying to, to counter steer it. Like, like George, George had a rolling the, start, and Perez, was, yeah, and yeah. Perez was too slow, yeah, and yeah. like Perez's was more of a standing start because of the way that they both managed the delta at that point. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think and like, Perez was on the slowdown so like, on from from a delta perspective, whereas George was kind of more on a, a steady roll, which allowed yeah, him to, to get a bit more of a rolling start. And to get into sort of why that situation unfolded that way, it was essentially because Red Bull tried to second guess. Tried harder yeah. to second guess when the when the safety car was going to stop, and they they essentially got they and got it went wrong. by yeah they, they they didn't play the game right. That you know you have to yeah. play to the whistle as they say in football, and they weren't doing that. They were playing to when they expected the whistle to go rather than when the whistle yeah. actually went, and that's why that's why Perez ended up in the mess he was in for his restart. So yeah, yeah, it's fine just, margins, just and you can tell how yeah. like magnanimous. Um, you know, Christine Horner knew it because any other time he'd be kicking and screaming about this sort yeah. of thing. And um, exactly. Yeah, very, very quiet about it. So, the, yeah. the team on the whole, even Perez, were all fairly quiet about that whole scenario. The, I think the most Perez really had to say afterwards was the fact that he thought George was running a bit wide in turn six a couple of times in oh, those closing laps three, after it happened. Three. It was turn six. Oh, as well. yeah. was one, there was, he explicitly oh. called him out on turn six, which is it's, it's one of those where it's after the bump. Turn five is the one with the bump that they were trying to avoid all weekend. And then turn six is the one where you're kind of getting your foot down 
to get round turn seven and on the long straight. You're trying to get on the power as early as you can in turn six because it's going down into that long straight with the DRS. And it was the old baby uh, games again, wasn't it? Let's 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 whinge on the radio yeah. about another driver's driving to try and get them get a penalty. Yeah, a classic. Be- because play. they'd been caught out by the other thing, so because yeah. they had there no problem of, with it uh, before. There was a lot of so. anim- the, that 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 fight felt very bitter, didn't it? That entire sort of between like, the once, two of them, yeah, yeah. Once once uh, once um, Russell had gone down the inside and then forced him wide, and you know. Russell was obviously really upset because Toto had to come on the radio and calm him down. And Russell needed to calm down. It was dogged. Yeah, Yeah. Russell really needed to calm down because he could still get that job done. And he was was talking himself out of an overtake there. He just needed to get his head down and get on with it. Um, And he'll learn, hopefully he'll learn from that because Toto coming on the radio is probably enough to make you go, oh, went a bit wrong. Yeah. then yeah, and then for Perez to be sort of whinging about track limits for other cars and stuff like that later on is just it's it's just it's petty, not, isn't it? It's, it is. It just feel it just feels a bit too kind of gamesmanshipy and not enough. Mm. Just be faster, <laughs> kind of thing, you know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, some for that. No, uh, some other bits from around the race. Um, Alpine, pretty decent result for them. Came on six Alonso, Alonso was baiting. He was baiting hard. <laughs> He was he was trying to wind up everyone, wasn't he? As per typical typical Alonso this season. Uh, don't know if anyone else heard it, but basically on the radio saying um, he was being warned that the McLarens were catching him. I think I can't remember if it was specifically the McLarens. Actually, he was told someone was catching him, and he was like, "I don't care if they're in the window. I just want them to burn up their tires or something to that degree." L so, plan, yeah, L plan. Typical, typical but Alonso. They both they both finished ahead of the McLarens. They've jumped to fourth. They're, they're, yeah. The Beluga boys are doing it. Yeah, four-point lead now over McLaren. So, yeah, Alpine was sixth and eighth. That was Alonso and Ocon, respective. And then um, the McLarens were seventh and ninth, I want to say. So Lando found himself sandwiched between them, uh, and Ricardo was behind them. So, yeah, gave Alpine a little bit of a jump. Um Ocon nearly muddy mouthed, which was exciting for a second. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I muddy mouthed him, and he failed <laughs> to put the money in well, my mouth. Yeah, the money was well clear of your mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, it would have been. I mean, it would have been rubbish for him at his home race, but it would have been great for us people, us, us trolls who predicted. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, Haas seem way off expectations that we've built up for them in recent weeks. Mm. Um, some really good flashes of pace, though. Like, I mean, Magnussen started the Magnuson race on Easy well. AI. <laughs> yeah, he, he basically did. He he came from the back and got all the way to thirteenth in a single lap. Um, I mean, one of those overtakes was Yuki Tsunoda, who was facing the wrong way on the runoff at that point, but. Generally speaking, everything else was a decent overtake and some nice wheel-to-wheel combat from Magnussen. Um, kind of all went a bit to pot, though. Um, they got a bit screwed over, both of them, by the virtual safety... Uh, sorry, by the full safety First car, because I think car. they'd just already they'd just pitted, or at least one of them had. Um, but yeah, like strategy-wise, it just kind of fell apart for them a little bit. Um, didn't quite seem to have the race pace compared to their one-lap pace that was blinded in qualifying. Um Mm. Magnus ended up retiring after coming together with Latifi uh, and Schumacher got spun around by Joe Guan Yu and ended up finishing 15th. 
with only Joe behind him. In fact, Joe might have even retired, I think. Joe retired. Joe retired. Pulled yeah, over. Joe retired in the, the end. BSC. Yeah, it was the BSC. So, um, Schumacher was like last on the road, effectively. Um, so, yeah, not a great weekend for them after what we thought might have been a good one. And then finally, a point for Aston Martin with Stroll finishing mm. in 10th and Vettel like literally up his gearbox. That was spice at the end. That he, yeah, he didn't quite break testing, but he parked it on the apex. And oh yeah, he made he was... made sure that point was his and not his teammates, didn't yeah. he, Mister Stroll? So yeah, point for them. And that was what is it? Is the anniversary of their first ever race in Formula One? I think hundred like... year anniversary. Yes, uh, not in Formula One. Sorry, their first ever competitive race or something. So yeah, some, Aston, some form of Aston Martin anniversary of some yeah. kind. Vettel drove the original car Honestly, around at feels, some point. It feels like in Formula One, there's a fa- and there's some sort of big fanfare anniversary every five minutes. To be honest. It, just in the car yeah. world, everything is an anniversary. This anniversary, everything's an anniversary. Now. Yeah, just so, yeah. I don't have, I, they need to think of a new way of like making a point, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of anniversaries, <laughs> just having an anniversary for milestones. Yeah. Anyway, um, right. Driver of the day. Where do we land with this, all things considered? Ooh. I'm going to say I was entertained most by Signs, and the Signs was very strong all weekend. He was very good in qualifying. Um, yeah, I, 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 honestly, I didn't see the, the whole race. I only saw the Channel 4 highlights, so I might be biased in that way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was the one that stood out. I mean, like The overtake on Perez was fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. The science overtake on Perez was hectic. Um, I think Hamilton drove a really good race. I think he did. You know, he did yeah. everything. He got the maximum out of his car. It looked like I think to finish where he did and to do what he did, he had to be absolutely switched on. No drinks bottle as well for the entire race, so he was super dehydrated yeah. at the end of it. I think he lost like three kilos, <laughs> some crazy three kilos roughly. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, obviously, it's a bit obnoxious for me to shout out Hamilton. I try not to give Hamilton driver of the day too often if I can help it, but it was a good drive. I want to lose three kilos. <laughs> I know, I was thinking that when he said that's what he lost. I was like, this sounds like a feasible diet for me. Get rid of my drinks not, bottle. Not, not over the course of an hour and a half, you don't. Um, uh, I think I do think science was like a killer drive. I think Verstappen yeah. obviously drove well, but the, the, the it was a very controlled race from Verstappen. It, it was a, it, it was once easy it for was Verstappen. His... I think once Leclerc was gone, wasn't it? There wasn't yeah, much but, of a challenge. Exactly. Like and that, I don't think you get driver of the day by being in the best car and your comp- competitor crashing out on their own. I think that's yeah. unless you're a Verstappen fan, that's not a that's not a, <laughs> that doesn't constitute well, believe... driver of the day for me. I believe Sainz got the official one, um, but I, yeah, I think for, for me it's Sainz. Like the two I wrote down before we went into recording was Sainz and Hamilton. Because he didn't make a mistake. Drives. It was it was the team, the pit crew that made the mistake. Yeah, the, the team let Sainz down. Like Sainz, in my opinion, had the potential to be on that podium with Hamilton. After that he would mistake. have won, but without I the think... penalty, without the engine penalty, he would have won. I think if there's one, hundred percent, I agree of... with that. I will give, I will give it to science, but I think if there's one sort of mark against him for this race, it was he did, you know, he did cause some confusion when he was saying he wasn't going to be able to get around Perez, and he kind of like mm. he could have been a bit more decisive from within the car to to say to Ferrari, look, 
I'm coming in. We need, I think a driver like Verstappen, your Vettels, your Hamiltons, they've got a much more broad view of what's going on outside of their car. Yeah. And science didn't really show that this race. I think if he'd shown more of that, then he would have probably pitted five to 10 laps sooner than he did and would have been able to make more of an impact, potentially even get a podium. But yeah, he did I do think, a great drive despite the team. So Yeah, I think the one the one notch in science for me was maybe not fighting them, pitting them. You know, once he got past Perez, there'd be a lot of other drivers who would have said, like, no, I don't want I am not coming in now. Like let me let me stay on these tires basically and get as much out of them as I can. I think there's a lot of drivers or or like would have maybe questioned what was going on behind the safety car. Like you hear Hamilton do it all the time and I mean, yeah, fair enough. Sometimes Hamilton does the questioning after it's already happened and like says, you know, why have we done this? It doesn't doesn't feel right. And he's a bit retrospective if I'm Hamilton. But the the questions are still there. I mean, it could have just been that we didn't hear him, to be fair. He could have been questioning the team. But also true. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like know. his head was down. He was um He was just busy that. racing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was busy fighting on track. Um Hot to, be doing, to be doing the pit walls yeah. job for them <laughs> and i think that yeah and i think if you're going to give it to him you know the things to call out that were good were just the number of the sheer number of moves he would have had to make to get it up into i that think position. i could be wrong on the exact did he get a lot of um, safety car figures no i think i think he had about 13 or 14 like legit overtakes Oh, F1 so, will do a um, through the field on that probably tomorrow then this, yeah this week keep an eye on f1.com or f1's youtube There's, and you'll see it through the field yeah, they, I'm sure there'll be something if they, if it's not already in the works. Um, yeah, yeah, he had, he had a good. I'm pretty sure he got in quite comfortably into double double digits. Apparently, um, he did question things according to uh, Discord. He told them to make their mind up. Oh yeah, Sarah in Discord saying that yeah. um, he was telling them to make a decision. Okay, Patreon.com so. forward slash Back of the Grid Discord. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right, move, move of the day. We've talked about a few already. Uh, whilst you, I love this podcast. Our... I really love this podcast more than anything else in the world. <laughs> Literally, not even unbriefed. <laughs> like, this is just like without even telling anything. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Good, so move, move of the, of the day. day. Move of the day. Yeah, move of the day. Um, so a couple noted down. We've got Magnussen start managing to gain seven places in the first lap. So just the start as a whole. Um, George's virtual safety car restart and just like nailing that. Um, Alonso pretty much anything start. Carlos Sainz did. Alonso had a good start as well, yeah. Uh, pretty much any of the overtakes Sainz did around the outside of anyone into turn 10, I want to say it is, at the end of the straight. Like the there was there was a couple where he hung it out round the the one that's flat out and then into the into the following corner and took a very interesting line in order to get things done. Can't remember specifically who any of those were on off the top of my head. I put myself under pressure well, by I, bringing them up, but it's fine. I, I think the the move it, for me it's a science move and it's the move on um, on Perez. I think that when he eventually did get by Perez, uh, actually, yeah, the one, on, the, being, the one where he finally, yeah, yeah, whilst whilst having the team on the radio mid battle telling him what to do, telling him to pick, yeah. I think that is one hell of a move to do when you got. It was that the highlight of, of the race. It, it was, was a the, huge yeah, highlight. It was the, yeah, the coolest part. So for me, I that's mean, I, easily the move of the day. I think yeah. Signs just wins everything for me. I think he's the most handsome driver. I think he's the kind of dude that would remember <laughs> the anniversary of your first kiss. Like that's, it. I, yeah. I, I can't. 
Would you no. remember the anniversary of your like hundredth year in business <laughs> as a formula as, as a car manufacturer? Probably. I just want to run my fingers through his hair. <laughs> wow. Okay. We'll keep it family. Um, the next one is W. We have a soundtrack. You want? Are you trying to move on? You want? You want the soundbite? Is that what you're trying to do? Yeah, give us. Give us the soundbite. Give us the. Okay, soundbite. I'll do it. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Okay, so it's an easy one this week, isn't it? It's Chuck Leclerc. Do you reckon? Do you reckon it's Chuck? Charles in the wall. I don't know. Is there anything else? Leclerc. Leclerc. Okay, so we've got Charles Leclerc. We've got. Well, there's there's two versions of this Ferrari driver, isn't there? There's Charles Leclerc and there's Charles Leclerc. And definitely, there's an argument to say Leclerc reared his ugly head this weekend, but. <laughs> I don't. I. I don't think it's fair to blame Leclerc. I. I still think that Ferrari. It's a 50, should, 50 should, to a degree, it isn't it? Probably is, but like they should have just pitted him onto fresh tires, and he never like, that mistake never would have happened because he wouldn't. Yeah, have been it's, the same pressure. Yes, it is a driver error. The driver has lost the car. However, he's been put in a rubbish position by his team in the first place. Exactly. So it's yeah, like he didn't yeah, need is to be half and pushing half. that hard. He didn't need to be pushing that hard at that point in the race all he needed to do all the team needed to do was cover that pit stop put him on fresh tires and then that's the race then that like he could have just run away with the race for the rest mm. of the for the rest of the afternoon but instead like it turned out the way it did i can't remember uh, any other wtfs that's the like no. as soon as you said wtf that's the only one in my mind no there's i more. think there's plenty the, i mean for me one of the things where i literally was like WTF is going on is when Ferrari didn't know Ferrari Pitwall didn't know what kind of penalty Carlos oh, had, but yeah. Carlos did. I mean, that was pretty yeah. bad to be like telling him he's got to stop go. But you tell him that at the wrong time. If he's near the pit entry, he's coming in. It's a good job he's got his head screwed on and knows yeah. that it was an unsafe relief release but and he's that, getting a that moment five second wasn't, penalty for it. Wasn't me launching myself off the sofa going WTF. Leclerc crashing was me launching myself off the sofa going WTF. True. The, yeah. the the spirit it's of the so WTF obvious, though. though is people making a mess. Oh, I suppose it is Leclerc making a mess of things. To be fair, mm, I don't <laughs> so. know. I don't know if I, I still. Do. I think it's he too was obvious. so comfortably that. winning. He was winning. I mean, as as Paul has put it in chat, several options and they're all Ferrari. Yeah, you could yeah. just this say thing, Ferrari. It? It's one of those so weekends, be, isn't it? If we're going to be a bit more nuanced about it, like yes, you know, Leclerc made a mistake. WTF? That was crazy, but. There is the there's the continued theme of Ferrari bad strategy mm. that just keeps on going going and, going, and it's the gift that yep. keeps giving for Red Bull. Like they just keep on messing up strategy. I bet they can't believe their look them. sometimes. I bet they can't. I bet you know they must be in that garage just <laughs> laughing their heads off sometimes. Like, can you believe what they've done? Like, <laughs> yeah, just crazy, crazy, crazy decisions. Um, <sighs> I think mine. I think th- there's another one, and that's the the VSC situation where you know that the, the fact that they not rule that says it, the fact yeah. that they've said it will never be more than 15 seconds in the rule book is just strange to me. Like, why give the teams that metric? Why not just say it will be it'll you know it'll come a random time after we've. I guess like you have to put a limit on like how random of a time it's going to be after the safety after the VSC ends. But I don't know. I think by giving the teams a metric and saying it will never be more than 15 seconds, that's kind of like 
putting a needless obstacle in the way if something goes mm. wrong like it did this weekend and it finally you know in however many years we've had vscs now something has finally gone wrong with it and you know of course teams are unhappy about it because they're expecting no more than 15 well, seconds one one team's one team is. but still like they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they are they are well within the rights to be cheesed off about it because that's the metric written down in the rule book and that's what they're expecting mm. so none of us yeah. plebs are going wtf over that though Stu. I suppose not, no. But I do. I think <laughs> just, it's worth. It's definitely worth a mention because your F one, your stuff shouldn't be going wrong. Like at the end of the day, yeah. I know stuff goes wrong, and it has. It does a lot, but stuff seems to go. Stuff silly things like this seem to go wrong way too often. Like the start lights at Monaco, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's just daft. Like it's really. really it was very. Stuff. It was very low on the WTFs this race. That's why I say okay. the only one that. Really Unless you're a Ferrari fan. Yeah. <laughs> and it's full yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah. If you're a, well, if you're a okay. Perez fan, then it's pretty high up. But yeah. I suppose you're, there's a couple. Yeah. I like Perez. Um, I'd so... run my hands through his hair as well. Okay, so <laughs> this is turned into the which drivers does Ash like the hair off podcast? Yeah, I think I think if we're gonna let's just sort of gloss over that. If you if we're gonna choose <laughs> running <laughs> his hands through his hair, oh, it looks lovely. Yeah. I can see the light just sort of. Um, oh my god, the, stop, stop. You're giving him too much ammo. So, you shouldn't have done that. You're giving him too much ammo, Stu. You oh brought this on yourself. The oh, sun's shining. You wear a hat like me. Through, you wear a hat, mate. Yeah, yeah. The back <laughs> of his hair to the camera, and it's like just glowing, just golden sunshine. Okay. This is what so. happened to me today when he WhatsApped me. It's This is the image that I had. Yeah, just the excellent like, experience. Yeah, that holy, like, angel sound. Look, look at what you've just made me do on a podcast right anyway um i think it's ferrari ferrari across the board yeah just ferrari being ferrari. Ferrari. You've you've given so it to, ferrari. have you given you've you've given it to ferrari before like a general yeah. ferrari yeah yeah we have to count how many we've given the just ferrari it's yeah i'm sure chris has that day that's chris's forte he's gathering that kind of information um so that can be his first task when he's back from holly bobs Gather the data of how many Chris. times we've given it to just Ferrari okay, in general. Okay, okay, so right. let's uh, let's move on to some predictions. Yeah, so over to predictions corner, as always, brought to you by Grid Rival, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, but cause for celebration for one person this week in predictions, Scott ah. Hemsel-Jones. Bags a five out of five. Well done, Scott. I'll be emailing you from the email on your back oh, of the grid what? account to let you know. How there was a time when a five out of five would have been a problem out. for us. There was a time when a five out of five would have been a real problem. Well, there was a time. Not anymore. There was a time. <laughs> it's I a mean, problem for me. I'm very, very jealous. With, with like 400 people plus, I think, entering this year, I'm so very surprised this is the first five out of five we've had. Yeah. It's so yeah. hard this well year. Done. It's there's, there's no double, triple hams anymore. True. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot harder to predict those like wins and fastest in Q3 kind of scenarios, I'd guess. Which is good. And then the rest of it's always been about luck. That is the metric of how yeah. good a season is. Like we had a we had a couple like I think last year or the year before that where we just kept getting people getting five out of five. It was like, it was last race after race. Was it last year? And multiple. Or was it, the year before? It, been, I can't remember. it was the year. I think it was the year before because it wasn't Hamilton just like run yeah. away with it the entire year. Um, yeah. And we got yeah, we got so many. And this year, there's been hardly any. Five, well, no, this is the first five out of five, and like we're halfway yeah. through the season. This is the first one. So yeah, I almost, I that. almost got one. 
I almost got one and I I was about to explode with excitement and I I money mouthed on Max Verstappen first uh, ENF 20th and I think everything was in line and all that needed to happen was I think I needed 17 finishes and Norris like conked out on the last lap and I died I my soul Ooh, escaped my body one? that was like quite early in the season it was anyway, last year anyway. it was last year but yeah I was so excited yeah. I was running around the living room Okay, so Tom, take us through the host. Um... Yeah, I mean, not a great showing. I, I managed to get two points for Leclerc fastest in Q3 and Ocon's position of eighth. Other than that, did not go well. To be honest, I don't know what Chris got, but I don't think he got any points because it's not in the dock, but I don't think he got any points. Otherwise, I would have seen his name when I was scrolling through the leaderboard. Um, overall, we are looking at a top three of Tom Thorne on 23 points. Jana Berger on 22 points and John Murphy on 20.5 points. Wow, some big so, scores for midway through the season. That, that some was a big, big, scores. big scores. We've gone, you know, we've gone years where like... We've gone a whole season without season. scoring that many points. Yeah, people have finished seasons <laughs> scoring less points than that. So that's really, yeah. really good going. Yeah, very good. Uh, moving over to Grid Rival, as we mentioned before. So our top three this week were Stevie B12 with 997 points. Uh, Nick scored 982 and Zach scored 955. Um, our biggest mover was Jack Namau. I think I pronounced that right. Naumo. I can't. Sorry, whoever you are, Jack. Um, you get 50 places this week, though. So congrats on being our biggest mover. Um, the overall standings, though, the top three don't change. It's remained the same. So they're all as they were. And that's Green Lantern Core, Mr. X, and ID De Praz as the top three. If you want to get involved in any of this, predictions or grid rival fantasy, head to backthegrid.com, register for Predictions League right there on the site. You can check it all out there. And if you're interested in the grid rival, hit that Fantasy League option and select grid rival and it will take you through. If you want to go, um, if you want to find out more about grid rival as well, listen to last week's episode. And Last week's episode was great. I really, really enjoyed last week's episode. It was very, very interesting. And I'm definitely, because I'm one of those that the season started and I've not got involved. And now I kind of wish I had having listened to the interview last week. So definitely going to get on it next year. Well, as and when um, the sort of short duration leagues come around and they're all officially launched that Ross was talking about as new features, we will be doing them. So I've talked about it before. We do definitely have the plans to get involved with that. So if you are interested, still worth signing up um, and we'll put out details of those kind of things as and when we get involved with them. Um, Right. We need to look forward to Hungary. It's a double header weekend. So it is. Stew. Do you want to run us through some? Let's go through some. Let's some make up some storylines. Storylines, literally yeah. on on the spot. Um, that I sort of that's occurred to me as we've been doing this. I think Mercedes didn't seem to get what they were expecting, what anyone was expecting them to get mm. out of their car this this race weekend. They did bring quite a major update. They brought a new front wing, um, a new element, new new nose cone, whole bunch of new stuff. nostrils, new nostrils on the front. Yeah, the new nostril. Wing. Yeah. And so, I think there's a whenever a team brings a big update package, there's always sort of a, a bedding in period. And I think we've seen this season as well that as Mercedes have brought these big packages, it's taken them one or two races to sort of really get the most out of them. So. Um, 
the Tom's grinning and laughing as though like <laughs> I'm laughing at I'm laughing at a comment from Wes in the Discord chat. It wasn't it wasn't that I was distracted. Can't read it out because of the context of it. But okay. well done, Wes. You made me chuckle. Okay, so um, so yeah, back to Mercedes upgrades. I think will Mercedes be able to get something more out of their upgrades this this coming weekend? Especially given that this race is one of Hamilton's favourites. You know. Hungary, Hamilton yeah. always, always goes well around Hungary. It's like a mini Monaco almost. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited Monaco to see without how... without walls. Yeah, Monaco sands walls. See. But still, it's, it's a traditional racetrack. If you, go off at Mon- if, mm. if you go off at Hungary, you're on grass and you're, you know, yeah, yeah. C- certain corners... It can still be punishing, can't it? Very punishing circuit if you if you go off track. So, yeah, you're, gonna, you're not going to see many track limits warnings at uh, this no. one. Um, my next storyline I will say is um, can Ferrari just string together a weekend without making howling mistakes in strategy? They need a flipping one-two is what they need. Well, they just need they, to finish one-two solidly and resoundingly. They seem to be geared towards being strong in qualifying and Hungary is not that easy to overtake. It's more of a go-kart track, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. kind of narrow. Yeah. Yeah. So if they hook up qualifying um, and nothing terrible happens to them in the race, they could be on for a one-two at Hungary. Um, I think there's a fair few corners here and in like that middle sector that's going to suit the Ferrari better than the Red Bull as well. That I middle think, sector think... when you're at the top of the hill and it's all sort of the sweeping stuff before you get to the hairpins at the end. I think that's yeah. a Ferrari sector and they're going to make up a lot of time. It's really weird having this conversation because that's where you used to pick out the track and you'd be like, that's the part of the track that the Red Bull's going to make time yeah. up on the Merc. And it's really weird to be saying that's where the Ferrari's going to make up it, its time over the Red Bull. It's so weird. And the Red Bull is fastest in a straight line. Yeah. yeah <laughs> or at least, at least out of the front runners. They, yeah, uh, weirdly, the Alpine can be the fastest in a straight line a lot of the time, which is even weirder. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my next fingers one... crossed Ferrari pull it together and we get a challenge for yeah. the championship. I think you know we've mentioned there um, how difficult this race is to overtake, and I I wonder now if is this going to be one of those races where the new formula is going to show itself to to make a yeah. track that was traditionally like quite difficult to overtake at? Is that going to flip that on its head? And so we're well, not necessarily flip it on its head, but is it is it going to take some of that difficulty of overtaking away by having these new cars? It's another circuit where these cars can prove themselves and prove their worth. Um, but the cars so aren't any smaller, is it? And it's the, it's the size of the track. Well, they can that's follow the though. They can well. It's they can the follow as well though. They can follow a lot better. Yeah. I think like because that's such it's a high downforce circuit, and traditionally the in the in the old cars the high downforce circuits were really really difficult to follow up because you have so much outwash, you had no grip behind. Whereas now, even though it's a high downforce circuit, you're not going to lose as much grip, so you're going to be able to cling on. And I think it's the kind of circuit that we might actually even see sort of like nose to tail battles and, and trading places almost because you've got that long straight, longish straight down, well, medium length straight for the start finish straight. And then you've got that big breaking zone and you've got another sort of, you know, down to turn, turns two and three. I think there's an opportunity there where you saw it in the cars last year, they were able to follow through there and almost make overtakes. I think 
in these cars, it's probably just enough more grip that actually people, you might see people making moves stick down that long straight towards the left-hand kink. I think you're going to see some real jewels down there this year. I'm going to throw a little thing at you. Last year's Hungarian Grand Prix, a mere 17 overtakes, 12 of which... Twelve of which were through turns one and two. Mm. So if it's any better than that, that's a good I think thing. we'll see I think we'll see more Wasn't through, it wet I last year? Potential that we'll see like more through three and four. Yeah, and yes, in answer to your question, Ash, it was where Bottas went bowling, wasn't it? Yeah. It's where he oh, wiped yeah. out half the grid. God, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bearing in mind that this is only taking into account like legit overtakes not just changes of positions um for for reference i am using an absolutely amazing google sheet that's publicly available from a reddit user which i will i can't remember the name of right now i really apologize if you haven't listened to the podcast and know i'm talking about you but i will link that person in the show description if anyone else wants to take a look yeah i'd like they deserve it because this is awesome work that they do um Sadly, they didn't have anything up for France just yet, but I think this person is literally going back through everybody's onboards to validate, like, if it's a move and where it happened. There's so much info. So, well done, this person. I will link you. Wow. That's Thank amazing. you. Uh, my next storyline is going to be. How can Leclerc recover from from the race that he's just experienced? Like he really needs to get his act together, um, get his head down. He's going to grand just... slam it, mate. What are about? He's going to grand slam Hungary. Yeah, I mean, he's a he needs a big, big race. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of that's pretty much all I've got this week. To be honest, there's there's not a lot that leads out of france i feel into very different Hungary. circuits aren't they as well they're quite different circuits yeah so it, i think it's, it's kind of a bit of a reset going into the next one but um i'm sure there's plenty of those there are plenty of drivers up and down the grid who will be looking to sort of do better than they were are we going to I mean, see another rematch of alonso versus hamilton elbows out Oy, oy, oy. From last year, you're talking about, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we could see it take a lot. I think that's going to take some mad weather. I think for that to happen now, mm. I think Mercedes have got enough legs on the on the chasing pack there that they're more to they they are getting more towards this front this fight at the front. So I would be surprised, but you know, I mean, this season has been kicking up surprises. Some of those midfield teams have been putting in like mad performances that have kept mercedes on their toes like the front two yeah they're just the front two but mercedes have been like getting clawed back here and there so it could happen yeah i mean just to add some spice to it um saturday and sunday both forecast some rain way it's (laughs) yeah there's um how much rain what are the odds how much um you're talking 70 odd percent like during the afternoon around the time that quality happens on the Saturday and then much less chance of a, of rain during the race as it stands currently, bearing in mind it is, it's a Monday night and we're trying to forecast yeah. a small area of Hungary. And we know for full that first hand even, um, that it can be raining like next to the circuit, but not in the circuit and at one half of the yeah. circuit and not it the other. It could be raining on one corner at that track. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's so weird. So weird. So, 
Yeah, but potential brain. Yes, with all that in mind, let's do some predictions. Um, I will just ball it and stick with my sort of half prediction I made while you were doing storylines, Stu. And that's, I'm going Leclerc Grand Slam this weekend, so fastest in Q3 and win. I'm just putting it out there. What's going to happen now that's going to screw me is some sort of damage from his accident that means he takes penalties, but it was all front end, so I think we'll be all right. It's fastest yeah, I'm going, Q3. I'm going Leclerc fastest Q3, Leclerc win. Doing it. I'm copying you. Oh, what, for both? Yeah, I believe. Nice. Ash is a believer. You know what? Are you, Stu? I think I'm a believer as well. Yeah, no your way. Mercedes, your faith in Mercedes is your undoing. <laughs> Are you serious no, going think, double Leclerc? Yeah, I think he can do it. I think he'll be. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a tough. Am I? It's it's a really tough one because he's going to be. He's had, he definitely would have had his confidence knocked by. Um, and you've got the Ferrari strategy to go up against as well. Uh, You're no, so far back. Do, you might as well take a it. punt on Mick Schumacher. I'm gonna go. Hmm. I'm going to go Leclerc fastest in Q3. I think that's a that's a given. I think that the Ferrari is the quicker yeah. car at the moment. And then for the win, I am going to say... I'm going to say science for the win. Ooh, I like that. I mean, that that's more of a heart thing for me. It's more of a heart thing for me. I'd, I'd love it if science won a race. Um, but... I just think, I think something's going to happen. I think I wonder, and, I, and I'm wondering yeah, maybe. if it's going to be some something at the front. I think there's going to be like a big fight at the front. I think maybe Leclerc mm. might suddenly get an air of desperation about him, and if he finds himself in a battle for the lead, something might go wrong. So, yeah, I think about I think about, I think about the signs beat Norris at McLaren a lot. I think I think he's he's showing his potential, and I think towards the end of the season he's going to be killing it. Nice. So who's the first DNF then? Who's I'm going to make first? Ash go first on this. Oh. We've done, oh. we've done two in quick succession, so... I want to copy you, though. Um, <laughs> That's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. I'm going to say Valtteri Bottas for no particular reason, other than the fact that he went bowling last time out. Oh yeah, so that's good. That's a good reason. That, we're gonna that's, we're gonna cut that go. last bit out. I'm gonna give you a reason <laughs> because Tom he went bowling last year. Yeah, <laughs> very good, very good, Ash. Uh, I am going to go with Ocon just because I can't find any kind of. Um, sort of home race kind of link here other than Ocon won it last year. So like hero to zero this year. Won it last year. Thursday You're so mean. Year. You're so it's mean. It's the best way, mate. It's the best way. Hmm. Why are you, Stu? Um, it's a tricky one. Um, it is a traditional circuit. Um, it's very punishing if you make mistakes. Who's most likely to make mistakes? We're looking at sort of your Yuki Sonodas. It's your Alex oh. Albons, who's actually Alex Albons oh. really good this season so far. Um, Scathing reviews of the drivers there from Stu. It's your Mick who's Schumacher's. most likely to make a mistake? Um, 
first DNF. I'm gonna say. Can't believe he's he's gone through that list and not mentioned a Canadian. <laughs> what last? I can't believe he's, he's not mentioned Stroll or Latifi. Stroll's in that been alright. Stroll's not been. Stroll's not really had many. <laughs> Big issues. This year. Yeah, to be fair, Stroll's problem this year has been the car being absolutely rubbish, same as Vettel's problem. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not all Stroll's think, fault this time. I think it's the sort of circuit that Yuki Sonoda could have real problems at, actually. I think he, it's okay. a very, very high pressure environment, that circuit. And it's the kind of circuit that Yuki Sonoda is going to struggle with. So, yeah, I'm going to go okay. for that reason. Sonoda in. Number of finishers. Still, you've not gone first on any of these yet, so you can go first for number of finishers. How many finished? Probably not many last year. What was it? Like 12 uh, it was going to be. It's going to be low last year. Hang on, I will find out for you just to be. Um, Six, 16 at the race just gone by, and last uh, year. thirteen finished after 13. <laughs> all the incidents last year. Oh my god! So and only oh, no, sorry, started. Sorry. I apologize. Fourteen finished. But Vettel was disqualified for that poor fuel sample. Oh, the fuel taken, sample, wasn't yeah, it? So yeah, technically fourteen finished um, by our standards, uh, but thirteen official finishes because of the fuel sample disqualification. I'm going to take. I'm going to go the magic sixteen. Then she never failed. Ooh. Oh, that's where I was going to go. I'm going to be slightly more optimistic rather than copy you and say seventeen. How about you, Ash? Yeah. Ash, what you got? Sweet sixteen. Sweet 16. Oh, God. There we go. And then, oh, random driver. 16. Oh, no. It's Charles Leclerc. Oh, God. Oh, money mouth. First, thank you very much. Are you going to yeah, money mouth it? I'm going to do the same thing. There's an easy point potentially there first. But you haven't got him first. You've got science first. I can hedge my bets, though, can't I? Oh, so you're, you're hedging your bets there rather than money mouth it's not it. a good strategy for you, Stu. This, you're no, in, this, you're this has trying to, this has yeah. You're badly. trying to you're trying to gain places. If you were ahead, you would hedge your bets. But if you're behind, you want a money math, surely. Um, have I got the maths wrong? Am I am I doing a bad maths, man? I mean, he's behind out of out of the out of the presenters. I believe the, the, I'm in front, and Chris is second. Plus, can I just pro- can I just ask? Can I just put a little request in now? I've I've been a guest host twice. Can I get a little purple line so I can find myself on predictions league? <laughs> you can you can have a purple stripe <laughs> instead of a full. Or line. maybe like make it a different like highlight color, but just so I can find myself really <laughs> easy no. when I'm looking. So interesting request. I've had a couple of people say, "Can you highlight myself or give me a way to jump to myself?" <laughs> oh, I, no. I'm I'm gonna do I've that. I've triggered Tom. Oh. No 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying you're not alone in wishing this. I am listening to feedback and I will have something in place during the summer okay. break. I still haven't committed to my prediction. I still haven't committed nope. to my prediction yet. Just so you I've know. I've committed you and written it in the box. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm so kidding. So if <laughs> now if I the the problem is I've got if 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 I've got Leclerc fastest in Q3 and then he's not winning the race, that means my prediction is that he's pro, uh, his head's gonna go and he's gonna lose out. I'm gonna put him like sixth. I think he might lose the lead and do he'll do an Imola. And something will go wrong mid-race and he's going to end up dropping back through the pack a bit and up behind the Mercedes. So can I have sixth for Leclerc, please? Uh, sixth. All right, that's a lovely specific number. I like it. I like your I think that way, I like, I like at it. least then I'm like doubling down as well. Like I'm kind of like committing to my Leclerc doesn't win. 
vibe. So it's, this is a very, very cagey kind of set of predictions, though. So please, if you, if you want points, don't follow my predictions this week because they're rubbish. <laughs> don't follow any of us, to be fair. <laughs> okay, it is time for that last bit of the show. Is keep me saying now. Stay, stay up. Can I just say something about the um the jingle? I had a friend who worked at the Mercedes um factory in Brackley, and I know for a fact that he shared the jingle around. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Is it is it Bono in the radio message or is it someone else? Uh, I believe it's Bono to Lewis, isn't it? So I'm, I'm not sure if Bono's heard it, but I know that a lot of people at Mercedes have heard it. So there you go. Oh, that's awesome. That's nice. That's really funny. That's I didn't realise that. Um, <laughs> and well done, Ash, for making it. Yeah. Chris Evans is in it. His voice is there, golden like the sun. Yeah. Charlie's in it as well. His, yeah. that's Char- isn't that boy. Charlie's laugh at the end? It yeah. is indeed. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's me playing piano. I mean, just playing piano, like whacking one key, like it's a tight four, five, one progression with an augmented fourth on the final cadence. But, you know, can okay. I, can I just point out, I hope people enjoy and appreciate this because last week we had algorithm chat and this week we've got yeah. jingle chat. Yeah. Just saying. Okay. We're getting very meter. So I'm going to read the first question. It's from Tom Murray. Is it time to revise the limits on how many engine components each team uses in a season? I get the need for cutting costs, etc., but I don't think I've seen a single team in the hybrid area manage to make three engines last a whole season. Seems like they've set an impossible target. They probably have set an impossible target, but if they didn't, you'd have cars with bombs in the back of them. They'd just be exploding all the t- every five minutes. The engines would be going. Yeah. So. I think the more races we keep adding, they maybe need to revise it a little bit because the three engines was set when we were doing like 18 race to 20 race seasons. Hmm. I feel like that figure was come up. That I mean, don't get me wrong, we've used it in seasons longer than that, but that's kind of the era that it was thought up and kind of put forward as the rule change and then put in place during an era that we're using more races and more races and more races the limit has gone down in that time as well like it started yeah it used to be four for a lot of components didn't it and maybe even five at one when it first came in first came about yeah with the hybrid engines because they were thinking oh god we're gonna have awful reliability everything's gonna be breaking every five minutes give us at least let us have five and they eased it down so now it's like three and it's even two for certain components now i mean ecu is a two Turbochargers are three. Control electronics is two. Yeah, there's a couple that are two. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, one or two. That's two. So I mean, yeah, I mean, mean, some of those I could be wrong on, but yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we're halfway through a season, and there's multiple teams already had engine penalties for taking additional components. Um, It's just part of the strategy, isn't it? It's another element of of the drama to see what the teams do and how they cope Mm. with, you know, what they've what they've got. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the teams kind of came together on something for once and basically said, if you want us doing 20-plus races a season, we would like some of these components up into four. And as a viewer and fan of the sport and so on, I wouldn't be in any way against that because I'd much rather see... I would have much rather have seen Science put his fourth components in and been in contention to win this race rather than 
putting his fourth components in and having to drive from the back because of a penalty. That's well, kind of fun. the perspective I look at it. I mean, don't get me wrong, you did a, it was a stellar drive. It was entertaining to watch, but I'd have rather been enjoying him racing for the win rather than trying to get him back to the podium. Yeah, it would have made the it would have made Verstappen's life a lot less easy. Uh, yeah, you know, wouldn't it? That I think that's the key. I think like that's what people people really want to see. You'd much and this emphasize is you want to see drivers fighting for drivers in fast cars driving for win right racing for yeah. wins rather than driving through the field. You know, yeah, Hamilton yeah. Brazil last year was fun to watch the. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Also, yeah, I mean, twenty-five that's the, cars in yeah, one weekend was fun. That's the other factor. Like when someone's got a car that can drive through the field and then go on to win the race mm. is a whole different factor. But then at the same time, that he had two. It's kind of damning. We well, had a race and a half to do it as well, didn't he? He had like the sprint yeah, race to get the, to the tenth, the sprint. and then from tenth he went to the front. So. <sighs> I would rather see uh, what you really want is a competitive field where everyone's racing each other and everyone's got an opportunity to win. And even now, yeah. the, the, and the, you know, the whole point of this rule change was supposed to be that we would bring us a step closer to that. And I think if anything, it's taken us away from that. We've got two teams at the front. Fair enough. We've got two teams at the front. We had two teams at the front last year who were, who were really competitive. We've got the same again yeah. this year. And you've got one team sort of somewhere in the middle in no man's land, and then you've got everyone else. It's, we are effectively mm. two tier series at the moment, and hopefully yeah. in the coming years that'll resolve itself with the budget cap and things like that, and the winter time and all that sort of stuff. And they will slowly start getting closer together. But um, I've gone off on a massive tangent, but uh, you know at the moment that's not necessarily the case. And I don't think to, to bring it back to the point, I don't think revising engine rules is going to do anything to to fix that yeah it's not going to fix that specific element of it is it it's going to make it cheaper to be in formula one or is it i don't know well no well, I think that that was kind now. of one of the yeah Our it was kind of one of the things so many entry points that you're spending endless amounts of money on on components you know you want to you, the idea is that you make a reliable component that's probably a little bit heavier yeah. that lasts a season you know that's what the aim is because then you're not you're not putting all this money into really, really exotic materials that have really, really high RPMs that, that they can run at and things. You're making more robust components that you don't have to keep remaking at great expense mm. over and over and over and over again. Um, and that's that's what the aim is, but it just doesn't seem, I guess like the top, top teams, well, this is what, I mean, this is why we now have a budget cap. But I guess like the real question here is if the budget cap is legit, then why limit them on how many engines they can? Well, that oh, yeah. that was that was kind of where I was going to go with it. Is surely if we've got a budget cap, yeah. if they if they want to make like eight internal combustion components, but only two uh, like energy recovery components for the electronics, then that's their loss. Is their way to spend their money? Like, yeah, that's true. I think that I don't think that ever happen. No, no, I'm not. No, I don't think it would. But I, I guess the kind of point I was getting at is that as long as the part is sanctioned off by the FIA once it's built, and they are within budget cap after building those parts, why, like, why should it matter how many of each they get? I guess. 
and as long as they're within the budget, because the budget cap is the budget cap now. If other teams want to spend it more on aero, if other teams want to spend it on whatever else, that I think we're sort of entering an era where there should be a little bit more freedom for the teams. I think the issue with it is that you've only got three manufacturers, three or four manufacturers making engines. So True. it puts the guys, it, I think if every team made their own engine, then fair enough. But yeah, that's the reality fair point. is that that's not the thing. So you, you end up with like, right. the manufacturers would be actually be at a disadvantage because they'd have to put all their budget into all these engine components. I suppose, I suppose there is a fair point there of when McLaren knock on the door and say, well, we want six ICEs for this season and three of these yeah. and two of these. Yeah, fair point. I'll stand back on that one. Go on, okay, random, random, random ch- chump question. Who decides how much these components cost? Like, who puts the price tag on them? It's... Like, when you're being um, sort of audited by the FIA or whatever, like, could you not just say, oh, yeah, this gearbox costs like 50p? Well, they buy... I swear down. A lot of them buy gearboxes from external sources. So you're buying, like, Getrag, A-Track. Like, there's a whole bunch of different companies that make gearboxes. And usually a gearbox is supplied to a company. They work closely with the teams, but they're, they're such a specialist component that you do need, like, a gearbox company to make your gearbox. You can't expect to manufacture a gearbox in-house yourself, usually. Um, but who puts the price tag on it, Stu? Well, the price tag is is what it's worth to that team, isn't it? Like if you know, if if Getrag make a gearbox that's legit and everyone wants it, then it's obviously going to be a very expensive gearbox because it can only make so many a year. Yeah, so you know, th- th- there's you know, Brembo are making brake discs, brake pads, brake material. You know, that all costs money. I think like one brake disc for a Formula One car costs something in the region of like fifty k, because the manufacturing process involved in making it is so intense. Like all those little holes and patterns they've got to make in within the Mm. the brake disc. It takes a long, long time to manufacture it. So again, like that construction time. And also it's the value of the product to the consumer, to the Formula One team, who is the consumer. If they've got the budget to, to pay for that high value project product, and that supplier wants to charge a lot of money for it because it's a costing them a lot of money in materials to manufacture in staff time, in in energy use to manufacture, then of course these are going to be really, really, really high value products, and that's how you determine the the price of the product is by that, and then also just the value of the product to the person you're selling it to. It's like any any business. Yeah. I made that really. I feel, boring, like, they, I feel like they should. They could, <laughs> I feel. I just feel like there's like wiggle room for shenanigans in terms of budget cap era. Probably, stuff, yeah, but, probably yeah. there is. I'm sure there is. But it's like when you do your tax return and you're self-employed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bought this for work. I bought this for business. All, all, all my <laughs> I mean, pet-related stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Go on, read the next one, Ash. It's your turn. Yeah, I'm doing it. I think once we're getting into tax legislation, it's time to move on <laughs> to the next question, I think. Right. And I just want to um, implore all of the Back of the Grid listeners to open every single question that you give to Back of the Grid with, hey, man. So I'm going to do it right mm-hmm. now. Hey, man. Simple question. Is Bonotto the problem at Ferrari? We kind of touched on this earlier when I said he's an engineer and he's not a leader. He doesn't. He doesn't make those calls. He's not the rock that the team stands on. I, I don't think he's the only problem, though. I, I, yeah, I, I'm sort of with you that I definitely think he's far better at engineering and building a good car than he is 
managing the team during a race weekend. But nobody that's had that job in the last 15 years at Ferrari has been good at that. Exactly. So uh, it's difficult to point the finger at him solely because Ferrari They've have been through a lot made of team progress. principles in that time. They've made yeah, progress made in progress that under department. Him. Yeah. Definitely. But uh, whether he's the, the ultimate answer to their problems, I think not. That's where I'd say he's not. He's not the ultimate like savior for Ferrari yeah. as a manager strategy person. I must admit, you do wonder if someone like Andreas Seidel going in there would, uh, would make a big impact. Maybe say you know, like in the same way he did at McLaren. I don't mm. wish for Andreas Seidel to leave McLaren. I, I quite like Andreas Seidel <laughs> where he is at McLaren because he's doing a really good job there, and I like McLaren more than like Ferrari. But <laughs> you do kind of wonder if. It needs like a really, really, really. Instead of like go, they they always seem to go internal, don't they, for their team leader, for their yeah. It's the Ferrari way, though, isn't it? They from from within, from inside, yeah. And and you do wonder if someone who's okay. Here's the thing with Ferrari: this last every team principal they've had has never really done anything, and nothing really seems to have changed that much at Ferrari in the last ten years. But they've all had fabulous hair. They've all had great hair and great glasses, but the issue there is that no one's coming in from from the outside and bringing in fresh ideas. It's this, you know, that you, once you're in Ferrari culture and you promote from the inside, then you're just perpetuating that culture. You're not you're not necessarily bringing new solutions to old problems. And I think the reason you keep seeing these strategy problems at Ferrari is precisely because of that, because. No mm. one's bringing fresh ideas to the table. No one's showing up from from different parts of the spec, the, re- the the motor racing spectrum, if you like, at the top to 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 have that kind of impact. And I don't want to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and blame Benotto for for the issues Ferrari having. I don't. I think it's. I think it runs a lot lot deeper than that. And I think a lot of that is down to this sort of internal kind of like promotion situation that they've mm. got. But I also think that the, there's a fundamental problem with strategy at Ferrari. That's been visible since Alonso was there. So, you know, the Alonso and Massa days, man. Like, it's very, very clear that there's like real, real strategy issues. In fact, the last time they were decent on strategy was during the the Massa Alonso era. So they've they've fallen behind in the strategy department. There's no doubt about that. It, it must be something that they're working on. They need to get on top of it as soon as possible because it's it's this is costing them world championships now. This is literally this season is theirs for the taking, and they're throwing it away. Well, this whole episode of Back of the Grid has given them plenty to chew on in terms of strategy advice. I'm sure, so. yeah, I I'm mean, sure they'll no, take no our advice. Ever, I'm never getting a job at Ferrari is the upshot of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Stuart, Greenwood, there's, you're a shoo-in. Your hair's lovely. Yeah. I'll have I'm to, start, I'll have to change my hair style, I think. I'm going to Ferrari. Slick back, I think. Yeah, definitely. Next one. <laughs> Yeah, next one. Mike P says, last episode, there was a lot of anticipation regarding the 2022 regulations and potentially improving the quality of racing at circuits like Port Ricard. In your opinion, was it successful? No. Um, We were kind of robbed. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we were robbed a bit of that race at the front, but there was definitely um, stuff going down. 
going on up and down the grid, I would say. So... I was hoping for um, more. I was hoping for more because I thought this this track yeah, would I'll, would, I'll would admit, give I was hoping for would more. show off the regulations more than it did. I mean, I remember last year being the first French Grand Prix that I enjoyed, and thinking this year it's going to be like ten times better, and it was kind of the same, if not less interesting, slightly. Am I wrong? Mm. I would say this race. I think I do think we were robbed. I think there was a big old lull in the middle of it, which I've not spoke about a mid-race lull for a long time. Um, there was racing going on up and down the field, but so France for me, as I said this last week, France has always been one of those that sort of comes together right at the end. And I think we saw that again this year, like, you know, the, the Perez yeah. and Russell fight at the end was epic. The it's just, it just seems to be that sort of track that doesn't give you an entire sort of an hour and a half, two hours of, mega mega racing there's all just the way the strategy seems to play out uh, in in okay. recent years has always given us a bit of a break in the middle which actually i don't hey i quite i always quite liked a little bit of a rest in the middle like i couldn't i'm in a way i'm kind of relieved that leclerc went off because my just heart an old man just, sunday uh, afternoon yeah like, <laughs> literally when leclerc like my, my heart i said to my friend i was messaging my friend during the race my heart cannot take that amount of tension 20 percent of that race was for the lead, there was like literally less than a second between the, the two at the front. That is too intense for me. <laughs> like, I can't cope when it's that close. Okay. okay. So, my statistics of overtakes person has updated. I've got some hot off the press stats Ooh. for you. Okay. Last year's French, French GP, 60 French. overtakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah French. French. I like that. <laughs> this year's French Grand Prix. <laughs> 32 overtakes. Guess how many were Carlos Sainz out of those 32? 16. 20. 18. Oh! Oh! So, it's a tie. We're right in between the two of us. Yeah. So, there you go. Ash gets to run his hands through my hair for getting this right. I can't wait. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> this, I'm on, one thing I'm on I've just my way know- now. One thing I've just noticed with this as well, I don't think it includes the opening lap because there is more, but Magnussons aren't on here. So maybe maybe the person's not finished with it yet. Yeah, but 18 overtakes for yeah. science. Yeah, it could be mid-update at this point. Or they could be. don't know if it's he. But no, I think the quality, the, the quality of the racing, I think, was high. I think it was very, very high quality racing. I think they got the DRS zones right. They got... I would... I, you know, I enjoyed the race. I think that there was a patch in the middle, like I said, that was a bit average, but... Overall, I think it was a very gripping, enthralling race. I think that I think the fact mm. that it's called the French Grand Prix doesn't help it because people expect it to be a bit average. Well, I've just renamed it to the French Grand Prix anyway, so we're sorted for that. I'm French, <laughs> you English so, pigs. Oh, so um, I can make that joke. I live with a French person. Well, that's really. Did you know that they uh, never ever say mon ami or sacre bleu? Like they never. I, that's not true. Francis. That is not true. I was in <laughs> France. I was in France a couple of weeks ago, and I actually heard an actual French person say "sacre bleu." I kid you not. You sure it wasn't a non-French person saying he said, he "sacre actually, bleu" no, in no, France? He, was no, it like was, a fake French person, like Romain Grosjean, his, who's really Swiss was, but speaks he, French? He could not be more French. His name was Jean Baptiste. He was very French. He was um, probably from Quebec. <laughs> he, <laughs> <laughs> and um, what happened was the, the reason that he said it was 
because someone had driven a car in a place that they really shouldn't have been driving a car on his on his grounds. <laughs> it was the, and that's as far as I'm going to go with that because it makes me sound ridiculously posh. And I'm read the next one then. Absolutely not. Um, move on from that. The next one. Yeah, we need to move on really quick from that. Um, so Dan Instone says. What happened to Alfa Romeo? Despite the mechanical issues causing retirements, they don't seem to have the same race pace that they had early in the early part of the season. Or is it just down to bad luck? I feel like it might be down to they've not been upgrading at the same rate as everyone else. I don't feel like I've seen many updates on that Alpha over the course of the season. Could be wrong. Would have to maybe go back and take a bit of a closer look. But I feel like in comparison to a lot of the other teams, they've not been updating it as much, which might be a, an answer to that. They've just That's fallen just into guess. the clutches of Aston Martin and mm. Yeah, they are actually. They you know they're they're pretty much at risk of that now. Like since Aston Martin copied Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since Aston Martin did a copy paste like they usually do. Um in their previous guises. Uh I mean, yeah. Let's look at team standings in in that regard. So, Alpha uh, fifty one points. So the nearest teams to them at the minute is Haas and Alpha Tauri on thirty four and twenty seven respective. Um, so they're not quite being caught yet, but obviously they're lucky in the sense that Haas and Alpha Tauri weren't really scoring big points this weekend anyway. Um, mm. They need to be mindful of the fact that Aston are, you know, looking like they might potentially start picking up points and. If Haas get back to the way that they were in the last couple of races, they're in trouble. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Next one. Okay. Boring. A Wayne. <laughs> A Wayne says, Hey, man. A lot of online chatter about Perez running Red Bull's legal floor. Also, why did the FIA give teams even more time to run the illegal floor? Surely this will mean two illegitimate titles for Max. Tongue in cheek in Asterix's and a winky smiley face. Um, yeah, traditionally emoji well in that one as well. It's like it's, it, that was yeah, before an emoticon, as they were once. Emoticon. That's the word I was looking for. Thank yeah, you yeah. very much. Uh, I mean, I don't think they will have changed anything considerable, and if they have, it'll be documented somewhere because they have to provide information to the FIA for scrutineering as to what they've um, what they've changed if it's con- if it's considered a different part from a previous race. What Don't was the qualifying that gets published but what was the qualifying gap between Perez and Verstappen? I can tell you now, bear with me. I think it was large. Like, it was Just really a... far behind all through practice sessions as well. Like, it yeah, was like it was a, a second slower than Verstappen. It was about I remember. He, um, so interesting. I was looking for. I was looking on the FIA website for the documents, and I I literally mm. could not find the the document that says what all the new teams of all all the new parts that teams have brought this weekend. So it has, it's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be very technical though as far as i'm aware it just needs to be no, like not, we are changing this tell, part and this is what's different but yeah it'll still say yeah, floor, yeah. it'll still say it'll say different yeah parts of the so, wing whatever so yeah I, I couldn't find it anywhere so in in terms of difference between them in quality to answer that question uh verstappen's q3 lap was a 131.1 uh perez's was a 131.3 so about two te- not quite two tenths off the pace overall if i take in oh, okay hundreds and thousands it's better than gasly hmm. um, <laughs> Close to the next gasly. one 
run out of yeah, time. last one for this week. Uh, paper camera. Should Max? Hey man. No. <laughs> paper camera says should Max soft pedal all the way to the end of the season now and win the championship. Um, also, could a resurgent Merc bag a couple of wins if Max is already crowned champion before the end of the year? I don't think Max so. is going to be giving up wins for Mercedes to be taken, even if he's already champion. I think he'd be just going for it all season. I don't think he has an off button, does he? Especially not if he's already come. If there's no way he can lose that title, he's going to be more aggressive than he's ever been just to yeah, exactly. pull one over on people and win races. So I don't see that side of it being an, an easy run for anyone else once he's um, like crowned, if that happens. Yeah. But Ah. in terms of like the whole like soft pedal it to the end of the season I think in races like this 100% like take as little out of the car as possible bring it home safe like we didn't see him like pushing for fastest lap of, of Carlos Sainz so um, you know he, like he left that be maybe that's a sign of you know big picture thinking yeah, from Verstappen so. of like it's not worth the risk Um and I think that's the right thing to be doing is just, yeah, uh, take it easy in these kind of situations where he's got the race in the bag and it's just a case of bringing it home. Um, but I, I really want Hamilton to continue the record of winning a race in every season. That'd be nice, definitely. Yeah, I think that. Um, I, he, I think he, there's definitely a, a win in that Mercedes coming up. I think after Belgium, you'll we'll, we'll have a better idea. But I think for sure, yeah. the way things are looking at the moment, the way that the development path of that car is going. There's, there's definitely wins in that car in the future. Yeah, I'd hope so. Um, one thing he will break is the duck of everyone who's been, uh, who's reached 300 starts has never, nobody has ever won a race yeah. yet since reaching that landmark. After 300 starts. Yeah, so upon reaching 300 race starts, nobody until up to this point has won a race since. So if Lewis does that, or, or Alonso technically could, because he's a 300 start person. Um, but yeah, he'd break that duck for everyone over 300 starts. The likes of Barrichello and Coulthard and Schumacher didn't win one after his 300th start. So It's time for us to end on that note. So <laughs> thank you very much for joining us as always. We'll be back next week to um, review the Hungarian Grand Prix, um, having given you such a thorough preview for it. Uh, we'll have Chris back next week, hopefully. Um, Boo! Although it's been lovely to have you with us, Ash. It's been absolutely wonderful. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, it's um, it's 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 just fab. I love it. If you want to find us on the internet, you just have to search for Back of the Grid. Uh, all the socials are occupied by us. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the the traditional socials. The traditional Get social on of this podcast. We've got listen Ash, up. Ash has no, a shush. Ash. no 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 you're here we, we need to give you your dues um, hold on you can sweat you can snaily on twitter if you search yuki snaily no you'll find no Ash no everywhere listen right get on listen up guys get on youtube yeah search for the back of the grid the back of the grid music video okay yuki snaily back of the grid they they 
they inspire me. These guys, they he are. He green screened the... himself into they a will. car. That's how they good will, it is. Ash. And, they will. And also, if you go on there and you can figure out, because there are two different versions of the F1 game in that music video. So if you can figure out which season's version of the yeah, what you promise, F1 Ash. game, <laughs> sound off in the comments below. Um, <laughs> and yeah, um, back of the grid is the little light in my life that keeps me going. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, maybe Ash, you could start by writing that review on on. Yeah, you could go to iTunes, iTunes. if you want. Yeah, and give iTunes. us a five star yeah, review if you iTunes love us that much. Oh, and yeah. if you're still or anywhere us, else, if you can. <laughs> if anyone else who's still <laughs> with us, please do the same. It genuinely does help. And on that note, we will see you next week. So thanks so much for joining us. Catch you next time. Bye, everyone. I love you. <laughs>